Good morning, Lighthouse of Hope Church. How is the church family doing this morning? Everybody wonderful? Trying something different out. New year, new me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, is that all right up top? We good? All right, we'll cut that for the podcast. Sound good? How's everybody doing? One more time. Everybody good? It's good to hear the fam. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I, and I, I hope you brought your vocal cords. I hope you brought your vocal cords to respond today. The Lord wants to speak to you. Why don't we stand one more time? I want you to open up your heart to the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord to prepare the soil of your soul. We have a lot of stuff on our mind. We have a lot of stuff on our hearts. Release them. Release them in Jesus' name, right here, right now. Say, God, I want my soil to be prepared for a seed. And this seed, we believe, limitless things can happen. Only you know the potential in that seed. Help me not to miss it today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Talking about the one in the middle. The one in the middle. Who is the one in the middle? The one in the middle is Jesus. And today we're going to talk about Jesus being the Savior of the world. The Savior of our lives. Jesus is my Savior. What Jesus has come to do, I believe, is that Jesus comes to save us from a life of distraction so we can live a life of purpose. Not only does Jesus save us so that we can have a relationship with him forever and all of eternity, but right here and right now, Jesus has saved us. If you're a believer, if you accept his zoe, his eternal life, which we'll talk about, he saves us from a life of distraction, as James said, James 1.8, The double-minded man is unstable in all he does. He's a wavering man. We don't want to be a wavering man tossed back and forth by the sea. We want to be focused. We want to have a mission. We want to be set on purpose. After this, I want you to say, I am distracted no more. My calling is too great. The, The cost is too high to be distracted by things that do not matter. Rory Vaden We watched the leadership podcast this week in staff meeting. says, discipline comes from vision. The opposite, I would say, is indiscipline or undiscipline comes from a lack of vision. In other words, distraction from the vision would leave us undisciplined and potentially, most likely, unsuccessful. And we don't want to be unsuccessful. We want to steward our gifts that God's given us. We want to steward our intellect, the talents and abilities, the things that we have, the the opportunities that we have. We want to steward them so that we stand before the end. And what does Jesus say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
As we, as we pass the great white throne of judgment where we go heaven and hell and we go into the next judgment and we stand before God and we give an account for everything that we have or have not done, I don't want to be distracted. I want to be focused and on a mission. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Remember my mom's message last week? That was great, wasn't it? Wonderful message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Urgency. Paul writes, I urge you. That is a sense of urgency to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, live a life that matches this calling. And I believe each and every one of us have a calling, or else you wouldn't be here today. The Lord has drawn you. The Lord has set you apart before you're in your mother's womb. You might not even know your mother, but the Lord knows you. He knows what works for you. He has a life set aside for you. Man, God has a personality that has given you. He's, you might not like it, but he's given you a personality to use giftedness, intellect, talents, and abilities to influence your circle and to influence society for his glory. Help us to see it. Help us not to be distracted today. So as promised, did you guys catch up on your Rocky? <laughs> Who, who's seen any of the Rockies? Any of them at all? Okay. Good, good, good. Like I said, man, the move, the youth haven't seen Rockies. What are the parents doing? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Rocky, I wouldn't be the person I was today without Rocky. I mean, there's Jesus, and then there's Rocky, and both have created the person that I am today. Oh, hey, you're right. You're right. We go, how many are there? Seven of them now with the creeds including? Oh, it's crazy. What's your favorite? Who said four? Come on, somebody. Rocky four is the best with three, a close second. Easy. Uh, change my mind. Change my mind. Four is the best, three a close second because of the eye of the tiger. I mean, I mean, it's just, okay, so, so here, here's where I go. Rocky Four is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the whole series isn't on Rocky. It was just a little thing to try to get you to, get you to draw in, hopefully, some of the older people. It was in 1980. So if I spoil it, sorry, you're like 40 years too late, and I'm just going to spoil it, okay? So Rocky Four. let me give you the backdrop because... I love the Bible and I love Rocky. So I'm going to just tell you the backdrop for no apparent reason whatsoever. Here's the situation. The Russian had just killed Apollo. Who's Apollo? Thanks for asking. Rocky's once arch enemy turned trainer, now best friend, he showed Rocky the eye of the tiger. In Rocky III, that he ended up beating Mr. T, Clubber Lang. Amazing. You can watch Rocky 3. Watch it first, Rocky 3, just for effect. And then, you get, then, then Rocky owes Apollo a favor. It's like a real big deal. You, you owe me a favor, okay? So, you owe me a favor. Then, so, so, but, so Rocky ends up training Apollo, and it's this real big thing, America versus the Soviet Union. It's like a political thing and stuff. Um, but then the Russian kills Apollo, Rocky's best friend. Okay, 
So, ends up being Rocky has to have some revenge, okay? So, the Russian is known for killing people in steroids, but uh, Rocky, <laughs> that's funny, actually. But Rocky, he doesn't take steroids, apparently, and Rocky doesn't even need a gym or a sparring partner. If you watch Rocky IV, you know what I'm talking about. He, like, runs up mountains, and he, like, lifts rocks. Like, he doesn't even spar, which is, like, the stupidest thing ever. But I loved it as a kid. You're, like, lifting rocks and stuff. Anyways, he gets to fight on December 25th, Christmas Day in Moscow. He fights the Russian. And the Russian's been unstoppable, undefeated. He actually hasn't even bled <laughs> his whole career. They go to fight in Moscow. And Rocky cuts him, right? Rocky cuts him. He's cut. He's cut. It's a bad cut. The Russians cut, okay? It's, it's amazing. Dude, you guys got to watch it and take a nap and then get back up in the 15th round and, and, and it'll be awesome. But there's this moment, okay? Rocky goes to the corner. Remember I talked about the importance of having a corner, having someone in your corner. Rocky goes to his corner and he's there. <laughs> I love Sylvester Stallone. How in the world is he a good, like, a good actor? Well, maybe you guys will say he's not, but I love him. So he's, he's in the corner. Rocky's in the corner. He's like, I see three of them out there. <laughs> I see three of them out there. What's Polly say? <laughs> yeah. Rocky says, or Polly says, hit, hit the one in the middle. And they're like, right, hit the one in the middle, right, hit the one. It's like this epic moment, right, hit the one in the middle. And, I, and of course, the Lord speaks to me in the dumbest ways, but it works. It works. Oftentimes, we can be like Rocky. We can be in our corner and the people around us, right? And we can see all kinds of things. Man, I see three of them out there. And you need someone to come and say, hey, just focus up on the one in the middle. Now, I'm not talking about hitting Jesus in the middle. I'm talking about being like Rocky, focusing on your purpose ahead of you. Focus right ahead. It's the one in the middle. It's the way in the middle. It's the path in the middle. You might be beaten, broken, torn, tormented, discouraged, ostracized, alone, but focus on the one in the middle who is Jesus. He's Jesus. He's everything that you need this morning. I don't know where you came in. I don't know where you leave. But the Lord is here to tell you that He's the way. And my prayer for this series is this. Whether you turn to the right, Isaiah 30. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way, my son. This is the way, my daughter. Walk in it. And it starts with Jesus. Not having all the answers. It starts with Jesus. Not trying to put all the puzzle pieces together. Well, if I make this decision, if I do this or I do that. No, it starts with Jesus. This is the way. Walk in it. Why am I sharing this? Because I hear people crying. I hear young people crying. Where is the way? I hear youth crying. Where is the way? Adults crying. Husbands crying wives crying where is the way then I hear Jesus saying I am the way and I want to be a voice like John that says I'm preparing the way oh come and and come and meet Jesus come and find your hope come and find your fulfillment everything that you've ever needed everything that you've longed for it's right here in this place Jesus says in John 14 6 that I am the way I am the truth, and I am the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. No one finds their sonship, daughtership. No one finds their royal priesthood. No one finds who they were destined to be, of royalty, who you were destined to be, the confidence that you were supposed to carry. What you, what, not let the enemy lie to you anymore. Come on, somebody. Not let the enemy lie to you anymore. He's the way. You can come into a relationship with God of all creation who then becomes your Abba Father. He is the way. There is no other way. The universe was designed around this. The structure of the universe and your mind and heart and body and soul were designed to function around the way of the perfect one, Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's all about Him. It will always be about Him. Well, let me ask you, where do you go to find your center? Where do you go to find your way to bring you back to the place you belong? Facebook? Instagram, you're wandering and you turn to Snapchat. When you feel lost out at sea, looking for a captain, looking for direction, is it TV, video games, porn, that relationship, that beverage, that drug, even that food, comfort food? Where do you turn? That's right. See, if we have issues today, which we do, we have a lot of issues some of which we don't even realize. We just tolerate and say, well, this is the way it's going to be. Guys, we can't live like this anymore. We don't have to live like this anymore. It's time to focus up. And as Bob Goff says, if you're at Catalyst, it's time to sync it up. It's time to sync it up. Before they do something acting-wise, they do take two, and they go... That's to sync it up right with the thing. And that's what we need to do when we get off. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to get back. We need to get in the Word. We need to come to church. We need to reach out to somebody in our corner, right? That's what we need. I'm going to pray one more time. Sound good? Let's pray. And you right now can respond to that opening, whatever, whatever God's speaking to you. Lord, help us not to be distracted. Oh, man, we have so much purpose and so much potential. There's so much potential in this room. Help us to see it today as we come to you, as we lay our lives before you, the cards that you've given to us, as we lay them out before you, and we say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from my life? What do you want from me? Because we know that you know best, God. Help us to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever told a uh, three-year-old or a little kid to go get you something? Parents, Tyler, have you ever? Okay, you're sitting on the couch like a lazy bum, and you're like, I only have three. Duke's the oldest I have. He's three, okay? So I'll be sitting there, and I'll be like, Duke, go up and get your shoes, or go upstairs and get this. What happens? Does he do it? I mean, unless you have some amazing kid, they probably don't do it. They don't do it. So I go up 10 minutes later, and Duke's in the toy room playing with his toys or something. And my shoes did not come back down. Because it, why? He got distracted, right? And, and we're not any better. I'll be on the phone looking for my phone. Or is that just, is that just me and I'm nuts? 
right? Or, or like you have your keys in your hand. Like, if I just found my keys, we could go. If I just found my keys. <laughs> or you're, you're taught, yeah, whatever. I mean, why is that? I think it's because we're distracted. Or we're in, we're in a hurry. we got a whole bunch of things going on. We're so fast. We're so busy. That's like a, people are like, how are you doing? You're like, I'm busy. And that's supposed to be a compliment. You're like, yeah, I'm really doing my life. I'm busy. Why is that? With culture today and our society today, why even as Christians do we try to fit in with the culture and we say, oh, I'm just this busybody person. When Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor, and you'll find what? Rest. I want you, next time you ask me, you might be concerned actually, so maybe not. But if you come up to me and say, Dustin, how you doing? I'm like, just resting. (laughs) We need someone else as the pastor. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? And T.S. Eliot, the famous poet, says, we are distracted from distraction by distraction. Can we read that again? We are distracted from distraction by distraction. Ronald Rollheiser, uh, I've read a book last year by him, um, Catholic priest. He says, we, for every kind of reason, both good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth, and spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these things show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness and distraction and restlessness are major blocks, major blocks today within our spiritual lives. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to implore you today, center up, focus up, sink it up. You have a purpose, you have a plan, you have a destiny. And you don't know what's in the balance by the decisions you make today. Your family, your kids, their kids, the generations that are after you. You tell me what happened before you. Okay, that's, I'm not going to belittle that. But in essence, I don't care. Because you have an opportunity and you have a choice today to make it different for the family line that comes after your name. You have an opportunity to interrupt whatever came before you. If I'm not mistaken, there were prostitutes, there were people in Jesus' genealogy. He ended up saving the whole world. Let us not be distracted. Let us not listen to the enemy's lies. He's even speaking to you today. This is for everybody except you. What? That doesn't make sense. No, I'm speaking right to you. Our calling is too great. The cost is too high to be distracted by non-essentials. How long are you going to scroll? What are you looking for? I'm just eventually going to find my fulfillment. I'm just eventually going to find my joy. Let 
How many selfies does it take? How many likes? Because once you get a hundred, you want two. Once you get two, you want a thousand. Once you get a thousand, where does it end? You will never find your joy or fulfillment in those things. Can I rescue you now? Stop scrolling. You can post an encouraging word or something, but, but if you're tempted to keep scrolling and keep looking, you will never find it. Next time you start scrolling, say, what am I looking for? Because <laughs> you're not going to find it there. You can find it scrolling here. We're distracted. But we have an opportunity to focus up. We have an opportunity to find our purpose. And in essence, Rory Vaden said, purpose is usefulness. Where can I be useful? What do I have in my hands? Joel, Joel Houston says, whatever I have in my hands, like we ask God for all these great things, and God says, just start with what's in your hands. What's in your hands? Steward what's in your hands. Steward that bride sitting beside you. Steward that husband. Steward that son, that daughter. Steward that girlfriend or boyfriend. Steward that job. Steward your, your classroom. Steward your sports and athletics. Steward what God's given you in your hands and watch what do, God does with it. There's not enough amens. Come on, somebody. Amen. Steward. Steward what's in your hands. So, Open up our Bible to John 4. Everyone got your word today? Lift up your word. And if it's an iPhone, you can keep it down. <laughs> Uversion Bible app. Um, if you go to the events, uh, Tim Skiles puts all the, the slides and the, the words in it. It's just, it's just amazing. So if you haven't found that, if you have your Bible and it's the Uversion Bible app, you can go to events and Lighthouse of Hope is live and go to that, and you can follow right along with the slides and the verses and highlight and all those things. So it's really great. Thank you, Tim, for doing that. Um, I hope we utilize that. But we're in John 4, and we're going to read a lot of Scripture. But I want you to have on your mind this comparison between being distracted and purposeful. As characters come into the story, the narrative, uh, I want you to do that kind of comparison. Is this person distracted or is this per person purposeful? Is this person filled with purpose? John 4, we there say, what up? <laughs> if we're there, say, what up? <laughs> Did you guys just say that and you weren't there? You just said, what up, and you're not there. <laughs> That's good. All right, so John 4, we got it on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Um, and, and we'll read it together, but not out loud together. Sound good? <laughs> now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Someone's highlighting the verse. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I think. Okay. Sorry. Squirrel. Anyways. All right. Baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. I looked this up, depending on where he was in Judea, it could have been potentially a hundred mile walk. That's insane. You think Jesus was out of shape? He was probably in great shape. <laughs> Over a hundred miles, about a hundred miles, depending on where he started in Judea. That's crazy. So he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, 
was what? Tired. And Jesus is a human being. 100% God, 100% man. Jesus is 100% man, and he's tired. Of course, wouldn't you be tired? I'd be tired from this long walk, okay? So what did he do? He sat down by the well at lunchtime, okay? I, want you to get, I just want you to get this picture, okay? This is the narrative that we're talking about. The woman at the well. A lot of us, if you were raised in church, you know the story, okay? So Jesus is walking on this journey about halfway in Samaria. He's, got, he's on a 100-mile journey. He's tired. He sits down at lunchtime like we do at work. We sit down at lunchtime, and we're tired, okay? He's tired. So all the more reason why Jesus can just relax, Whatever happens, happens, you know, just kind of get lazy, whatever. I want you to keep, remember, distracted or purposeful. Distracted or purposeful. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came, okay, I read that, sat down by the well. It was about noon, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Of course, he's tired, a long walk. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, we all know who's sitting beside this woman at the well, right? What would you be doing? Uh, Jesus. This is Jesus, okay? Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. In other words, the culture of the day is what's on her mind. Society and what people will think of when we talk or when we have a relationship or this racial issue that we're on. So this is what I'm focused on as I go to this well. And there's a miracle. There's Jesus sitting right beside me. And she says, how can I give you a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew... Jesus is tired. He's sitting there. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink. In other words, if you knew who was sitting right beside you, mom. If you knew who was sitting right beside you, dad, as you're struggling through. And you're thinking of all these other things. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water purposeful or distracted purposeful right sir the woman said you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep where can you get this living water thinking physically now thinking about the well not being able to understand the miracle that would unfold if she would just know who it is that asks her for a drink are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, Jesus is tired sitting down at lunchtime. And he's not passing up this interruption. A lot of us don't like to be interrupted, but Jesus is open and receptive to it. Why? Because he's walking Restful. He's walking lightly before the Lord. And he knows that even in this time of a moment, that God Almighty, his Father, could send a divine appointment to this person that's been struggling for years, and we'll get to that. 
But Jesus has an opportunity in that moment, despite being tired and maybe emotionally spent because of all the people wanting miracle after miracle from him and for it and all those things. And he's sitting there and he could have easily passed up this opportunity just to ask for a drink and been on his way. But Jesus did not. Where can I get this water? But whoever, this is verse 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. That's the water that we're talking about today. The opportunity that we have to experience in the presence of the Lord. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I don't know about you, but I think she still missed it. She's still missing the point. And I probably would too. If we were sitting at lunch with some dude and he said, give me a drink and he's talking about all this stuff, I would probably be like, I, I, dude, I, do you want this water bottle or not? I don't, I, you know what I mean? But, but Jesus, this man filled with purpose, filled knowing that he doesn't want this opportunity to pass despite the way that he feels despite his being uncomfortable whatever he might have felt I don't want to go too far but whatever Jesus felt in this time he's not passing up this interruption this woman says sir give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water you have to understand that the reason Jesus is giving this woman water is not so she doesn't have to come back the reason why Jesus is giving her this little living water is next time she comes back to fill the jars she'll be filled with purpose next time you go wash the dishes you'll be filled with purpose next time you go out to an eat at restaurant and the waitress is there you'll be filled with purpose whatever you do he's not wanting to change your circumstance or your situation what he's wanting you to do is to find your purpose within that situation not to be comfortable necessarily not to find your preferences let them all be filled no but to find lay aside the distractions and when you go and fill your jars when you go and fill your jars you are filled with purpose you are purposeful amen amen and there's so much more Dad, when you're building that house and the client's talking with you, you have an opportunity. You're filled with purpose. I've, dad's prayed for people when we're working out. And we'll be thinking, we'll be thinking, man, this guy's really struggling or something. And dad, right there, he'll pray for, we're filled with purpose. Be filled with purpose today. Powerful things can happen when you're on the job as a mechanic and someone comes up to you struggling and you have, what did Devin sing? The champion, the authority inside of you to pray and lay your hands on that person and say, I want you to be healed. Brother, I want you to be lifted. Whatever I can do, wherever you might be, whatever place you are, let the Lord empower you. Let the Lord empower you. Find purpose to be purposeful. The reason why, the reason why I give you this water is not so you don't have to come back to get your physical water. The reason why I give you this water is so next time you go fill up your jars, you are filled with purpose. Let's keep reading. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Oh, anyways, sorry, verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. So Jesus is going to start getting it. Thank the Lord that Jesus just didn't leave and she missed it. 
Aren't you thankful that many times when I missed it and I've been distracted, that the Lord didn't just leave, but the Lord came after me and the Lord rescued me and he continues to come after, he continues to pursue. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful, but it easily could have, how many other times would it been the person been so distracted and not continued this conversation with Jesus? And that's why when, when I'm the youth pastor at Move Home, that's why I encourage you. Listen, if you think everything that I say is complete baloney. You don't believe anything. Keep coming. Keep coming. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel at home here. And eventually, I believe something will click. Something will activate. But keep coming at Move Home. Just just keep coming. We're a family. We're a community. We just want to love you. We just want you to feel welcome. Hey, you think everything's stupid that we just did? Keep coming. We love you. We want you here. We want you to find hope and purpose and joy and everything you've ever longed for. And you might right now shove it to the side, but keep coming. Amen, church? If you believe that, say amen. Come on. I believe that for LOH. Family starts here. You have an opportunity today. Thank the Lord that he never gave up on me. Hmm. That's big to somebody in this room. Thank the Lord that he never gave up on me. Hey, live stream, he's never given up on you. He's never given up on you. When you're tuning in, you don't feel comfortable coming to a church and sitting, whatever it might be. He has never given up on you. Someone right now comment, thank the Lord. He's never given up on me. He's never left my side. Though the waters surround me, though the wind and the waves, though I disobeyed, though I was unfaithful, despite my unfaithfulness, the Lord cannot disown himself and he stays faithful because that's who he is. As somebody testify the Lord's goodness in this place, thank you, Lord, for not leaving my side. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, the, the wind and the waves, the water would have swallowed us up. If the Lord had not been on my side. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sometimes I feel like we read that. We're just like, oh, she had five husbands. And you're not like, she had five husbands. <laughs> I mean, that's rough. I mean, one to the next is rough. Two to the next is rough. <laughs> Three to the next is, and that's, and then, and the one she's with now, and Jesus sits beside her. Jesus talks to her. Jesus wants a relationship with her. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. And he loves you, but he likes you. And he likes to be with you. And he's not ashamed. Something that changed my life when I was younger was me figuring out God didn't want to disqualify me. That there was this God in the universe that he was, trying, he was looking for a moment to say, scratch. God ain't like that. 
He loves you so much. He cares for you so deeply. And I think one of the powerful moments why this conversation continued is that this woman was just honest with Jesus. And she didn't try to make herself look good. She didn't try to act like she had all this together and her life was, all her ducks were in a row. But she says, sir, you are right when you say this. It's crazy. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what, we, what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, we've heard this, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. It's amazing. He's giving this woman with that background and that distracted mindset all the way up to this point, this opportunity to receive this amazing word. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So, this woman, now we know, has a background in some sort of synagogue or church. This woman knew that the Messiah was coming. And if it wasn't for Jesus continually creating that opportunity and making that opportunity happen, she could have potentially missed even what she was longing for while he was sitting right beside her. And I don't want you to do that when you come to church and when you read your Bible and you live your life. I don't want you to miss the miracle that's right beside you. Then his disciples come, and, and, and they're distracted as well. And this is kind of a cool thing. I'm going to skip around a little bit. But Jesus tells his disciples, the disciples are hungry. And they're like, Jesus, you're probably hungry too from like walking 50 miles or whatever. And then Jesus continues to be purposeful. And Jesus says in verse 34 of John 4, verse 34, guys, he says this, my food and again, if you're sitting on lunch break and someone says this, you might think they're kind of weird. But Jesus says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Jesus was so filled with purpose. Why? Because it was nourishment to his soul. To be in the will of God. To be walking. His daily bread was living with purpose and walking in the will of God. My food, my nourishment, my satisfaction, my contentment, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let's get going. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. Don't be distracted and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I'll say you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. 
work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Thanks be to God. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Amen. Now the woman goes from being distracted to being an evangelist, to being a witness. Praise be to God. Thank you. When you meet Jesus, things can change. Even if you've been with five husbands, when you meet Jesus, things can change and you can change and you can influence your circle. And that's what I'm believing for every person here. No matter how you came in, now you can go out and influence your circle for his kingdom. And then they said to the woman, Jesus ends up staying and talking to every person, which is amazing. But they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. And this is what I want. I don't want you just to believe because of what I said. They said, now we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man really is, come on, say it, the savior of the world. The savior of the world. What a story. That started with an interruption and led to an entire town being saved. Help us not to be too quick, Lord. So I want to talk about a few things. Um, Even as believers, we can get distracted. If you haven't figured that out already, I get distracted all the time from my mission, my purpose, my vision. Uh, I'll wake up sometimes uh, real early in the morning, and and I know I got my plan, and I can be hopeless. I can have not, I don't really have the motivation or this passion or this drive that sometimes I want to, but we know we have to return to Jesus. We have to turn, return to our purpose and we have to ultimately sync it up. Let's look in Luke 15. Luke 15, I, I want to, these verses you guys probably have heard before. You probably heard tons of messages on them, but I want you to read these in the context of distracted and purposeful. And I'll try to be fast because I'm a little behind. But everybody good? Say amen. You good? Getting something? Okay, good. Uh, Luke 15. Let me read this to you. Now the tax collectors, if we're there, say what up? If you're not there, say what up? (laughs) (laughs) All right, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What an amazing story, right? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Amazing. Thanks be to God he does that. Are you thankful that he's left the 99 for you? That he's found you? That he's, he's reached out for you? I want you to think about this. This is what I, this is what I looked up getting dis- about distraction. Why do the sheep leave the flock? Leave the fold. I looked this up. Listen. Sheep are prey spirits, and their only defense is to flee. Sheep display an intensely gregarious social instinct that allows them to bond closely to other sheep and preferentially to related flock members. Flock mentality movements protect individuals from predators. What was the first thing I said? Sheep are prey species, and their only defense 
is to flee. And the enemy, what he wants you to do is to think that you're going to protect yourself by running from the church. Think you're going to protect yourself from distancing yourself. Things that, that, that when you got offended, when you got hurt, I'm not here to belittle those moments, but don't run. Because you know what happens when you run? You get put in danger. And the sheep think that to protect themselves is to flee. But in reality, to protect yourself, it's to get closer to one another and closer to the shepherd. The shepherd is our protector. Thanks be to God, Jesus will leave the 99. Yes, but Jesus is also our protector and we cannot run from the flock even when it hurts because that's where you become protected. Don't get distracted by the shiny lights out there. Don't get distracted by the offense or they hurt me or they didn't talk to me or they didn't say this or they didn't say that. Stay Stay together. Here's what it says. The sheep, the, the protection of the sheep, the shepherd and the close-knit community is what protects the sheep. And it's what protects you and me. Don't get distracted. Part of your purpose is being in a church family. Part of your purpose is being in a life group and in a circle of community believers, of doing life together. That's a big deal. And that's what you're made for. So don't... Don't get defensive. Become the victim. Run. Because you put yourself in danger. When you take yourself out from the other sheep, the predators are on the loose, man. And your mind starts to wander. What happened in COVID? What happened during that season? I'm sure you know people that were sitting around you that aren't here. What happened? It's just right, right when you isolate yourself, the enemy prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he should devour. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. We got to stay close to the shepherd, guys, or we can get funky and we can get off. Stay close to the shepherd and close to each other. Amen? Amen. And the final uh, two things is this, Luke 15, 11. There's another way we get distracted. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. A lot of us, sometimes we think money is the way to our fulfillment. We think partying. We think stuff. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, give me this. This is where I'll find my satisfaction. This is where I'll find my fulfillment. How did that work for him? How did that work for the prodigal son? We all know the story, but a lot of us can get distracted with this. God, give me everything that I've ever longed for now. It's not, delight yourself in the Lord, don't give you the desires of your heart. That's right. But materialistic Christianity and whatever we want to say, that's not the way. The way is Jesus. 
And we cannot get off that. He's faithful and he runs and he pursues and he ends up meeting him again, but he has to realize that he doesn't find his fulfillment in these distractions called money and partying and stuff. And then there's another guy in that story, if you know it, there's the son that stays. And the son that stays around was just as distracted as the prodigal. Because the son, when he comes back, Remember the story? He comes back and they start to celebrate and the son says, what, like, what are we doing? This guy's pathetic. And he doesn't say that exactly, but this guy's pathetic and we're throwing a party for him. And what does he say to him? He says, my son, in Luke 15, 31, everything I have is yours. So even the person sitting in the church service, when the prodigal returns and we throw a party for him, can miss the fact that everything God has is already yours. Psalm says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we're his sons, and we've been given this already. Everything I have is yours, child of the living God. Everything he has. The Lord stands not wanting to keep things from you. The Lord stands with open hands. If you would just trust him, if you would just lean on him and find all your joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in him. Thank the Lord he doesn't leave us, but I don't want to be this man that stays and gets distracted, even living in a church service, even being a pastor and doing the work of the ministry in the name of God, we can easily be distracted. But thank you, Lord, that you pursue us. He's the one you've longed for your whole life. He's the yearning in your heart. That void, that space, that empty space that alcohol couldn't fill, money couldn't fill, sex couldn't fill, drugs couldn't fill. He's the one. Have you ever wondered? He's the fulfiller and his name is Jesus. There's no other like him. I've searched the world to find there's none like his. No love like his. No grace like his. No mercy like his. Come on. No comfort. No security. No provision and joy like his. There is no other like him. And no, he lived the perfect life that you and me wished we could live and he came and took the place on a sinner's cross that we deserve so undeserving and three days later they never found his body because he rose in victory conquering death and the grave so you and I can have Zoe eternal life now and forevermore come on somebody say amen and give God a shout of praise come on somebody Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship. Let's stand. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, continue to worship the Lord in this place. Maybe lift your hands. Maybe lift your heart. He saved you from the depths of depravity and sin, but he also saved you. You don't have to be the wavering man. You don't have to live a life of distraction. You can live a life of purpose and fullness. Focus on the one in the middle. Sink it up. Sink it up. Sink it up. Sink it up. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved 
the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you know when that begins? That, that begins at the moment of accepting him. Everlasting life that you as a man shall never die. That you shall never die. You see, all of us, spiritually speaking, start out at the same place. I was, uh, where I came up with this series, it was a month ago, and um, I was driving to the gym in the morning, it's dark out, and uh, you guys, you guys know on Warrior Drive there, there's crosses coming from Bel Air, I see those crosses up there, and I start just worshiping. And I, sometimes I just worship spontaneously, and I just I worship the one in the middle. <laughs> you see those crosses up there? I worship, I worship the one in the middle. You didn't need to be with those thieves, Jesus. You didn't need to be, but you chose to be for me. I worship the one in the middle. I got to thinking about all of us spiritually speak and start out the same place for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin what we deserve is death but all of us are those thieves beside Jesus and if you read it all of us deserve death we deserve the cross and we even carry a cross now but, but Jesus rescued us from that eternal judgment we don't need to but I got to thinking about those two thieves and how I can be a thief. I'm made in the image of God and I steal it and I use it for my own glory or my own platform or whatever. And I am, in, in essence, a stealer of God's glory. You understand? If we don't give Him glory, we are a stealer of His glory. And now both of us are in this place. I'm a thief that deserves that. And I have to choose whether, remember, they're both throwing insults at Jesus. All of us have insulted Jesus. All of us have been ashamed of Jesus. All of us have spit in Jesus' face. But what made the difference? The one guy turned to the one in the middle. The one guy turned to Jesus. If you read it, I think it's in Luke. The one guy turns and says, Master, we deserve this, but you don't. Will you remember me when you get into your paradise? Will you remember me? <laughs> and Jesus says, and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. All you got to do is turn. We all deserve the cross. We're all thieves and stealers of his glory. But thanks be to God, he took the punishment that we deserved. Oh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, to become sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. All you have to do is turn to the one in the middle. Look to the one in the middle. And this is the starting place to your purpose. And this is the ending place. But this is the starting place too. So bow your head. If you want to accept this Jesus, if you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior so that you don't have to be distracted and tossed 
this way and that by the ways of this world. I want you to receive him now. Maybe just open up your hands, open up your heart, and just in an outward physical symbol, you're saying what's going on in the inside. My heart is therefore now not guarded from you. My heart is open. I tear down the walls. God, would you come and save my life? And the Bible says that he will take out your stony heart and he will give you a heart of flesh. Now you have a new heart with new desires and it will take a little while and it will still be a process. But your goal is not perfection. Your goal is progression and just moving forward, abiding in the Father. So receive His grace right now. Receive His salvation. All your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven in Jesus' name. If you accept Him as your Lord, confess with your mouth that He's Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Focus on the one in the middle, child. Don't forget it. And you that's been saved, for a while hey focus up sink it up this is all filled with grace and love this is all out of I, I, I want to encourage you today if you've been focused on a mission maybe you've you were focused and now you're a little bit you're wavering man I, I don't know I don't have this hey hey come on come on purposeful or distracted so Jesus we fix our eyes on you our thoughts on you we love you we honor you today and we give you all the glory we focus on the one in the middle in Jesus name amen